Hey, you little chubby baby. Did you just pooey your diapy because you're so upset that Vladdy's in a slump and you don't know what to do, so you creamed in your diapy? I want all the pooey diapy babies to relax. Vladdy needs us more than ever right now, and there's no sense in turning on him because the man's a star, and he's done more for us than even that diapy that's holding in four pounds of gooey pooey from falling all over the floor. And besides, <laughs> You're in a playoff race, so let's get excited. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to today's episode of Underdogs. It's a scary episode because it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> I am David Patrick Fleming. He, of course, as always, is Jacob Eamon. Jacob, does Friday the 13th do anything for you? Does it mean anything to you? Does it put you on edge? Absolutely not, David. I don't believe in anything like that. I don't blow out candles and make a wish. I, I, don't, I don't care about numbers that might be spooky none of that and i don't like name a thing and i don't care okay there's no way that in your life you haven't blown out candles like i refuse to believe that you absolutely I'm you, have I, I haven't made a wish i blow out the candles begrudgingly that is, that is so hard not to do that even if you don't believe in it. it's so hard not to just think of something that at least you'd want to happen for yourself no come on oh wow you're not I mean, superstitious like, at all 11 or something i don't think would you live on the 13th floor of an apartment building yes would you but walk they cut them out ladder? did you know that they cut them out they skip I a floor i'm sure some building somewhere has a 13th floor that you could live in we'll find I'd, you i'd Jacob. be fine living there what's it gonna do what is this it's gonna Jacob, kill me. i really tried to start this off by making this scary but you've just really took the wind out of those sails i don't fear i don't have it not afraid of numbers, except for the number twenty-three. <laughs> man, that shit's fucked. Why? What? Why are you afraid of number twenty-three? I, I know. There's isn't a whole Jim Carrey movie about it. Is that a Jim, Jim Carrey movie? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Twenty-three becomes everything. You turn anything into twenty-three, and it like makes him crazy. Well, twenty-three is my favorite number because I was born on the twenty-third. Also, Michael Jordan, obviously Jordan. number twenty-three. What's up, so. man. Yeah, it's a pretty ridiculous thing for you to say. All righty. This is a Blue Jays podcast, not a talking about scary numbers podcast. We just finished a, a series split against the LA Angels of Anaheim, a very, a very highly touted game last night with the pitching matchup of Shohei Otani against Jose Barrios. Mm -hmm. uh, did not deliver fully in, his excite in its excitement. It sort of uh, went down the urinal quite quickly. But instead of just squawking off about the game and, and making too much of it, what I want is I want Jacob Eamon to give me his experience of the game in our segment, The Game Diary. Whoa, it's been a while, man. Been a while since, well, how long has it been? A couple weeks? It hasn't been since we did that fucking rates.ca thing with that knob came on here <laughs> that's not fair but since that guy came on you mean that and, underdog uh, for life ah fuck off that was that's the worst thing i've ever said on this podcast outside of you know horrible predictions or whatever i called him an <laughs> underdog for life and there are moments in so just a quick thing on this that guy came on the podcast we were maybe gonna rip him we weren't really sure how to react to him and he came on he was fine you know it was fine it wasn't that bad it was fine but at the end i just sort of lost myself and i was trying to be a real people pleaser and i said he was an underdog for life and throughout my time being alive since i said that i will shudder thinking about that moment i'll and i'll just be alone myself and i'll say underdog for life ah <laughs> <sighs> oh. <laughs> and I just, I just hate it. And even when I'm scrolling through the Spotify on the underdogs page and I see that episode, I shudder. Yeah, I get it. Jacob, let's do this goddamn game diary. Okay. Okay. Game diary. 
Oh, baby. 9.30 p.m. My dog, Bruce, is... <laughs> okay, 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 here we go. 9.30 p.m. My dog, Bruce, is KO'd next to me. Brittany is on a chair editing an audition where she had two lines, and I had an entire jingle to sing through. And not your one-line, earworm, perfect zinger of a jingle. I'm talking about an extended verse with a run-on sentence, and I'm having to improv jingles for her to react to. She just looked at me and said, This is so bad. Fuck, I would love to watch all the different tapes sent in from this and rip on all the... Hold, hold on, hold on. Game has started. And Otani just struck out Springer. Got a game to talk about here, but fuck that audition and fuck the people that wrote that and sent it out to a bunch of significant others, both professional actors and not to sing their hearts out for this AAA trash. Vlad singles! Real MVP! Vlad's back! Otani reminds me of that green dude in the cartoon. What's his name? Fungo? Bendo? He's he's 2D. He's 2D. I keep asking Brittany, who's that 2D green dude? What what's that what's that he's the cartoon and the who's the, who's that 2D green dude? Gumby! He finally figured it out. He reminds me of Gumby. Barrios is up. Here we go. Zero zero. Otani, the Gumby man, is up, and he has to double in order to MVP at this point, right? Actually, scratch that. He's got three outs, so let's say that's equal to one hit, and so they're even. And he fucking doubles. Of course he did. And Vladdy boots the same overhead basket catch from the other day. This MVP thing is it's two in his head, right? Otani advances to third on Guerrero's error. And just like that, the MVP race is over. over. The game probably, too. It's written in the stars already tonight in Anaheim. Over. You know, over. it's a 50-minute drive minimum from downtown Los Angeles to gate one of Angel Stadium of Anaheim. That's like calling another Toronto baseball team the Toronto Tarantes, but they play in downtown Hamilton. Get fucked. I guess I'm in a mood tonight. Barrios catches a pop-up for one out and then walks to load the bases for Justin Upton. I was watching the Field of Dreams game. Very corny. Upton pops up, infield fly. Two outs, baby. Believe in Barrios. Gumby's pouting on third. I need a drink. Barrios pops up again. No runs, and now I'm just gonna put this diary down for a minute and consider how to get dessert somehow, like a sweet ice cream sandwich or something. Mm, I, oh man, I had this chocolate bar the other day. It was a Reese's bar, like a big square with breakable segments of Reese in bar form. It's amazing, I want one of those. How do I get it? Fuck. Brittany just asked me, how high are you? You wanna order cake? It's too late for that. And yet, now she is looking at the cakes, and it's only a matter of time. Bottom of two, sack fly for Kurt Suzuki, and Joe Adele comes in to score. Brad Marsh, that scamp, is at second. Otani up, and he gets the MVP chance, and somehow I feel like it's personal. Like, they know we give Vlad MVP chance at home, and they weren't even doing it until we came. Spite MVP chance. Otani walks. Barrios might be on the ropes here. He walks Fletcher. Bases loaded again. Where the fuck is Pete? Another question is, how late is this game going to go now? 3 nothing Angels. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Bruce outside because that's what he needs. And move to the radio broadcast. Trent Thornton is warming up. And that might be an excuse to just stop this now and say we lost. And it doesn't matter how. It's 5-0 Angels now in the 4th, and blizzards have arrived. <laughs> now, I hope you don't get the impression that delivery desserts are a standard around here. The last time was Valentine's Day when we got Cops Mini Donuts, and I bombed them into my throat from a foot above my mouth with my neck craned back like a baby bird, and Brittany puked like a kid. Finished my blizzard as Randall doubles in Tay Oscar with two outs in the 4th and makes the score 5-2. Kirby Sneed is in the game now, and it's midnight. Sneed gets Otani looking for his first strikeout of the night, and it sort of hits me in a new way, seeing him hitting after a night of throwing 100 pitches and only giving up three hits. Like, how sore is he right now? Those arms, are they, are they feeling like jelly? Gumby? Gumby really is an MVP. He's 27, though. I mean, what could Vlad be at 27? Fat? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how sick would it be if there was a <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
How sick would it be if there was a Michael Jordan type of personality in the MLB right now who wanted to become a pitcher after like six years of being the best position player? Like, what if Mike Trout announced tomorrow in a press conference he was going to be try and become a pitcher this offseason? And how crazy would it be if he did do that and came back the next season and started in the rotation after like a month at AAA? Noom ads hit differently when you've eaten a blizzard that night. God damn, I never got that drink earlier either. It's comforting seeing George get so angry about the strike zone and letting it ruin his night and look like he might get tossed mid at bat in the top of the eighth. No hits since Shohei left the game. I bet he's in a hot tub right now. I was telling Brittany the other night, I'd like to get and then live in a back-to-tank, which is the giant cylindrical tank Luke Skywalker floats in to heal after he gets battered by that wampa on Hoth. I could just float there, unconsciously breathing and eating through a mask. Like, how sick would that be for a couple weeks or months just to pass the time? Connor Overton made his Major League debut tonight, and that's just wonderful for him. It's 12.45 and our last chance to bat. I don't feel like I've documented this game all that much, but hold on. Lourdes just smoked a homer and had a swaggy look like they aren't down three still. The jacket is taken off its hanger after all tonight. And now a creeping thought seeps in of, would I rather them rally here and come back to tie the game and potentially send it to extras or just end here or now so I can go to sleep? It's a major toss-up. But Iglesias locks it up quick and the Angels win. 6-3. A series split. Not good enough. It's back to time, baby. Good night. Boom. That's how you do a fucking game diary. <laughs> it's, you know, you listen and you're, you've, sometimes you forget there's even a game. You get caught up. And do, the one thing that struck me early, uh, there's so much in there that uh, makes me um, feel like uh, I need to worry about you. But the one thing, do you have any sort of recording of these jingles that you had to do it's funny you should ask that david i got i i requested britney send me a couple of them a couple of the takes um so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and i'm gonna pull pull it up here see if this works here i know this is probably illegal she probably is i don't i don't think she signed anything they sent her the audition tape she I think she sent it already this morning. So, you know, if anyone is listening from the thing, whatever, get, get fucked. Like I said, um, yeah, they can come on they can hit us up on Twitter. Then we'll invite them on the show and I'll call them an underdog for life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, let's see here. Let's try this one. Um, there's a couple here. So, so bear with me. Oh, no, we don't. We want to we want to connect to the speaker here. Oh, God. Come on, baby. No, Jacob, this is really good content. Keep this up. Keep struggling with the speaker. This is, my... okay. this is really good. Okay, here oh, we go. yeah. Uh, Insurance companies love using jingles to sell you policy. But, but not AAA. That's AAA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Just whatever. It doesn't have to be good. No one cares. Look how long this line is, though. I was supposed to sing that whole thing. Did you record that? Okay, so that was the first attempt at trying to get through it. Then, then we go through again here. Insurance companies love using jingles to sell you policies. But, but not A, 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 that's triple You just like shortened it. And I had no idea what you're saying. Okay, so and, and that, that that's that one. I think I get through it this time though. So just so you can get a sense of how long this line was that they wanted me to fucking sing. This isn't an audition for me. This is her audition. Insurance companies love using jingles to sell you policy. But but not a a a. That's triple a. And with affordable auto and home insurance plus America's most recommended roadside assistance, they don't need a catchy jingle. Cause triple a has coverage competence. So you've written a jingle about how we don't do jingles. Oh. I thought it sounded pretty good. 
outsmart jingles and choose coverage confidence from triple everybody out there you can't see this jacob just showed that's jacob just showed that's what me i was doing video last night so i could see jacob's girlfriend uh auditioning for this and what you can't see wherever you are right now is the finite moment where britney falls out of love with jacob it's a very clean moment on her face, <laughs> and I can only imagine that you'll be sleeping on my couch. Oh, with with before the fall hits, it actually I'd be like reinvigorated. Everything she she was so uh, joyous watching me struggle through that, seeing how, this how 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 laughing inducing it was. She did a she did a uh, what's it called a slate. And she was like, "Hi, I'm Brittany K." And then I was like, "And I'm Jingle Guy." <laughs> and I took over the, took over that. And she was having a good laugh. We all had we had some good laughs doing it. But uh, like I said, I I hate the people who made that. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate them. I hate them too. That was uh, one of the most. I mean, I'm glad you guys had fun with it. It looked like it was a lot of fun. But ooh, doggies! You never got that. Uh, oh no, you did. Never mind. Let's get into this whole uh, Vladdy thing, Jacob. That's the thing that's 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 really oh, at the top of my mind here. For just to start, obviously Vladdy's struggling. There's no doubt about it. It's gotten to the point now where it's not just a bad series. It's not a bad game. It's 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 a struggle. He's hitting below 200 in the month of August. Uh, he's his O on base percentage is below 300 in the month of August. We're talking about one of the most elite, exciting, dynamic offensive players in all of baseball. And one of the things that I just want to say, there's a lot of people that are uh, saying uh, in social media and whatever, I think Vladdy looks a little fatter. I think he's put on some weight. I think it's an eating issue. I think he's dropped his discipline and he's like, fuck off. Let's not micromanage this guy's body and look at him so meticulously and make uh, judgments on him. You know, that being said, he does look a bit fatter. Now, what, what is your level of concern with Vladdy? I don't know. I, I just don't know. Because it, I don't know what, can he tell us? Can someone ask him what's wrong? Because I don't know. I can't tell. All I see is that he's smashing it into the ground between short and third again. And, you know, striking out. I feel like it, everything's too in his head. He's, he's dealing with a lot. Um, he's, not, he's not getting his pitch. He's not walking when he doesn't get i mean he's still he's still he had a walk last night and he had a single like like for anyone else last night was probably a fine night right like it was it was fine he's not he's not smoking the ball though and it, it, it is it is a little concerning but you know he hasn't he hasn't played a full season yet right so he's dealing with us with a slump we have to we we know that he is elite that he, when he is good, that he is incredible. And so you have to imagine that part of that is going to be figuring this out. Um, and that's going to, that's, he's going to, he's going to get it back before the end of August, right? I think so. And I do, and I do genuinely think that we've seen every other player on this roster struggle at times. We've seen, I, I, I've never watched a baseball season where even a guy who was up for MVP or was an all star hit 50 home runs, 40 home runs, whatever. I've never seen a guy not go through a period of struggle. It's just, that's what baseball is. Like no player from start to finish doesn't go through a slump, but we just, we're just harder on Vladdy because we, we give him this sort of otherworldly thing. We put it on him and we, we think that he goes outside the realm of um, what a normal person going through a baseball season is. And, and it's, there's so many factors to this. He was having one of the great seasons of all time. He's 22 years old. You, you come back to Toronto, and I could just imagine that he wants to just be the, the king of Toronto. He just wants all those Toronto fans to be able to witness his genius and to applaud him and cheer for him because he struggled in 2020, because he, he didn't come out of the gates in 2019 as, as like fast as we all thought that he was going to do. And then, you know, he goes into a series against Shohei Otani, who everybody's like, well, maybe he's the MVP and he's definitely the MVP. He's the best player in baseball. And 
things like that definitely are going to get into his head. There's just no way for me to believe that that's not uh, a factor to this. Mm -hmm. So I really don't think it's a weight thing. I think it's just an in his head thing, which is fucking with his timing, but he is looking a little bit like, I wouldn't even say old Vladdy. This is just Vladdy who struggles. That's what Vladdy does when he struggles. He grounds the ball to the left side of the infield. He swings outside of the zone and he just kind of opens his hips a little more and he tries to smash the ball to left field. Yeah. I think it's particularly hard on us too because we see how hard he's taking it. You know, yeah. like there's like when you go from like joyous laughter using a Theragun or whatever the hell those massage guns are in the dugout and fucking around with everyone and wearing the home run jacket to like the way he's slamming his bat into the ground now, like he's he's taking it so hard yeah so that is it's 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 painful to watch it's like and you know he's 22 it's like it's like he's your kid you don't oh, want to see it, him like that and especially and he's had a couple like misplays on first base and a couple balls you know like you yes. said in the diary that pop up over his head he tried to over the shoulder he did that similar play that game before and when that happens for me i'm just like oh god there's two more days of struggle mm -hmm. he's not going to get that out of his head for two more days and so it's all accumulating. But you brought up something super interesting to me. I think was it yesterday? I have no idea when that was. Was that yesterday? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you brought up the fact that since they've come back to Toronto, he for the first time since I would imagine 2019, but I don't even know, he's been living with his wife and children. Mm -hmm. And you speculated on what effect that that might have on him because i've always thought vladdy was a drinker that's just what i thought i just thought like vladdy fucking necks beers all night long just mallards him down and just it, he's like in the life of the party has like a fun time and but that's sort of like where his like weight issues come from and then he's probably a little bit hungover when he plays and so he's just a little bit tired he's a little bit off and i feel like what he did this year and this is totally just made up and no idea but i just feel like he just kind of stopped drinking all right yeah i don't know about that i mean maybe it's very possible maybe he started drinking now again and that's the problem but yeah i think you know there's an element like he's his his wife or his his the mother of his one of his children uh vlamiel vlamel vlamiela some something like that uh that's his daughter they're in Toronto now, and there was that whole thing about uh, when uh, we got Jose Barrios that uh, <clears throat> Vladdy, uh, his wife or his his girlfriend—I don't—I I can't recall. Are they are they married? I don't think they're married. Actually, I did say wife, but I don't think they're married. Well, whoever it is, she and his daughter were coming into Toronto that same night, and despite the fact that they were coming. He still waited around to say hello to Jose Barrios. <laughs> and to me, it was like, oh, okay, everything, it all makes sense to me. He's nervous. He hasn't had her around the house. He hasn't had to live with her during the baseball season. He's been living life out on his own. No responsibilities, no child to take care of, no no girlfriend to argue with or or live up to expectations of. And then comes home to Toronto. She's there. He, they're both there. He's got a. He's got all that on his mind, and now he has to maintain and and listen to all these MVP chants of everyone screaming his name. You know, it, and it's a long season. I just think like maybe maybe that plays a part into it, and you know, it wouldn't be underdogs it's, if we didn't try and read into that kind of shit. It's crazy to think being twenty two and having two kids like. <laughs> If I if I was 22 and I was in charge of two kids, there'd be two dead kids in a can somewhere. Like I just yeah. would not have been able to do that. And the fact that, you know, I'm sure he's got a lot more means than I would have had at 22. Like I would have had to maybe like arguably eat those kids. Um <laughs> but uh he, you know, he has a lot of money. I'm sure he can pay for uh people to help him out. I'm sure that it's a little bit easier in certain regards, but he's still 22 with two kids. He's the face of a franchise. He's having an MVP year. Like these are major, major things to consider when you just uh, look with your little beady snake eyes on the screen and say, Vladdy's fat. Vladdy's fat again. That's why he's struggling. Like that. There's other factors to a person's um, mental health. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. 
And we don't really care about any of it until they struggle, right? Yeah. It was the same thing with Stripling, and we all got upset because of what Stripling said about moving again. And, like, we wouldn't have cared if he said all that. We would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense if he was playing well. But when you struggle, and then you have, like, some sort of excuse, and we're, we're, we're making up the excuse here for Vladdy in this case, but yeah. even still. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just to say about <laughs> Stripling, Stripling's injured. I think it's his oblique. Uh, so the battle for the uh, fifth spot in the rotation seems to, by default, go to Steven Matz, which I think was probably the way it should have gone anyway, just because Stripling has bullpen experience. And I just felt more comfortable putting Stripling in the bullpen. I don't know how you felt about that. Mm, I don't I don't I, I didn't want to do it based on who has had experience doing it in the past. Um, I just wanted whoever they thought was better. And also, I felt like I wouldn't have mind punishing Mats if that was if that felt like it would be a punishment to him to uh, put him in the bullpen because I don't like him personally. Yeah, I'm. I, I remember being quite defensive about Mats when you initially told me that you didn't like him and you brought up some sort of internal seething anger that you see in him that you found scary. And I was like, you know, he's a competitor. You know, he he's just this type of guy. Blah blah blah. But now I'm sort of seeing it. I'm seeing it a bit. Because I'm seeing the the anger be more consistent, and I'm seeing the frustration be more consistent. So I can't tell if it's just also an element. Maybe he doesn't want to be here or something like that. And when I feel, even if I'm completely wrong, but when I feel like a player doesn't want to be here, I get my back up so quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to talk about Alec Manoa. Yes. His career start the other night, 11 Ks. There's this part of me with Alec Manoa that I just, I've, and you know, this isn't good, but I've just always kind of been waiting for him to fail. I guess when he first came up and he had his incredible start, and then you would see, you would see him have games where maybe his slider didn't break that much. Maybe his fastball command wasn't that good. And, you know, he throws like, like 94, 95 most of the time. You know, he can ramp it up to 97, but there was just some part of me. I guess it's just I'm used to failure or something with young players, especially pitchers. But he's proved me wrong the entire way. And I cannot say enough about how much I enjoy watching him pitch and just play and and his demeanor and the way that he goes about himself in the dugout, how he engages with teammates when he's in the dugout during a start. I, I yeah. love the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's quickly become a favorite of mine, a fan favorite, probably uh, a guy that we're going to love here for a long time. Uh, he seems like he's going to, I mean, who knows, but he's got the body type that seems like he can stay healthy. They're not worried at all about his innings now. They're just like, yeah, let's let him eat. And you, to some extent, he has had some failures, but his version so far of failing is getting like, four and two thirds like walking four guys and giving up three runs or something where we're still in the game like it hasn't been like he hasn't had any complete meltdowns um and for the most part he's just been dominant yeah and i wouldn't i mean i would push back a little bit on saying that any of those things are failures you know maybe not like quality starts but i i wouldn't call those um failures and there's this moment well, you just did, Jacob. So don't. But lie I mean, to me. in comparison, to relatively to how incredible he is when he hasn't been uh, good, when he hasn't been as good as, say, his last start or something, that's what it's been. Yeah. Right. There's a moment the other night when he was pitching, and he had that uh, like many, many, many pitch at bat with Fletcher, and it was because he walked him that he was pulled from the game. Uh, and he would have been able to get through seven. I think that was the seventh inning. So, you know, I'm sure he wants to make it through the inning, you know, strike out Fletcher, scream to the heavens and like walk in there and, and uh, you know, victorious um, cry. But instead he gets taken out and he goes into the dugout and he goes right up to the railing as the pitching chain's going and he starts barking out at Fletcher. And I don't, it's hard, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but it, and I, I don't think it was uh, like, like, uh, mean or anything like that. I think he's just so into the game and he's so open with whoever he is. And just like, he loves baseball so much that he just starts barking at Fletcher and they're having like a little back and forth that seems more playful than not. And then he goes right over the iPad and he starts like watching his pitches and man, I just love him. Yeah. 
And he has he has adjusted a bit, I think, since the beginning, right? Like this, it feels less uh, uh, like personal attacks when he's getting into it with either the umpire or the player. Like he was getting squeezed. I don't know. I don't remember if it was that at bat specifically. There were some calls that weren't going his way, and instead of like screaming at the ump he turned his back walked off and then you hear him just say fuck where the fuck was that pitch you know and he's like directing it out into the outfield instead of directing it at him so that he can still be himself without people taking it personally right and that's that's a nice adjustment to make to see him still maintain everything that i love about him without uh him being targeted by mlb umpires and players and all of that good stuff you're you're totally right that it's like a little bit different from when he first came because when he first came he would do that kind of tense stare in or something and it was almost like there's like a little quality of it that he was like this is who i think i have to be but there's just been this subtle shift in it and i don't know if somebody said something to him but now it's more like it's it's fueled with almost joy now and not anger mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. it's, and it's very subtle because he's doing the same things but it's just a little looser it's just a little more like big in its in its in its joy yeah. Well, I imagine like you grew up, you're a kid basically and you're six, eight and everyone's intimidated of you. Um, and especially with other young people, there's, there's, when you're young, there's always an element of like, I'm ready to fight at any point and you don't want to fuck with me. And it feels like when you're in a league of professional men, they don't really care if you're six, eight anymore. If you give them a look like you want to fight them. For for no real for no real reason other than the fact that they're uh, in a batter's box, then they're gonna take some offense to it, and I can understand that. It makes sense to me that they're gonna. It, it happens to be guys originally that we didn't like, Ruben at a door, that that kind of a thing, taking offense to it, those kind of slime balls. But even still, and especially like adjust. when when you're new to the league, it's like you're the new kid in town. And you're in, in, you know, beyond being six foot eight, beyond having the narrative around you that you're uh, like a gamer, very competitive, that you will challenge people, you know, he's going to have all eyes on him. And so when he first gets here, it's going to be a bit tight. It's going to be like, yeah, here I fucking am. Let's go. And now that he's loosening up, it's more just like, let's play baseball. Let's have yep. some fun. And I just, it's just so nice. Let's make friends with uh, Hunjin Ryu. That that little, re- <laughs> little relationship is so cool too. And even seeing yeah. them after his last start, he comes out and he's like talking with Ryu about, you know, Buck said that they were talking about hitting. I don't think they were talking about hitting. I think they were talking about pitching and how the guys were, how Fletcher was able to foul him off over and over again or what they could have done and what Fletcher was doing to to him and having him and Hunjin Ryu talking about that. It's just, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, let's go down the line a little bit here and talk about Jose Brios. Mm. Now, first two starts of Blue Jay, really dominant. Um, just to say, I don't know how you feel about this, but I thought about this last night and I feel like you're going to give me quite a bit of pushback here, but I do want to make this point. I think, and you know, recency bias, you know, I fall quick. You know, I fall quick, but mm-hmm. I think he might be the best looking Blue Jay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not even close. Not even oh, wow. close. Wow, wow. But we, okay, but I also thought this last night, and tell me what you think about this. The Blue Jays are the best looking team in baseball when it comes to their key players. Like, I, if some other teams got these bench guys who are these gorgeous dudes and like the camera, like, just doesn't even look at them. But the Blue Jays star players are the best looking team in all of baseball. Is there, is there anyone that you can give me off the top of your head that I can sort of compare them to? Cause I can't, I can't think of anybody, but I also don't <laughs> Dodgers watch are a ton pretty, of other teams. Dodgers are a pretty good looking team. Um, you know, you could okay. make some argument just on, especially now they got Trey Turner. Like, oh shit. Trey like, Turner. Seager and Turner on the same team. Bellinger, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm surprised you don't think Barrios is that good looking, man. He's fucking real. I mean, let's not talk too much about this, but my God. Barrios is interesting, and I was thinking about how, like, meek he seems to me. Like, he seems almost, like, kind of mousy, like like, uh, someone could embarrass him, and he he wouldn't uh, 
say anything about it and would just be like kind of quietly accept it like kind of like a doormat kind of like really sad pathetic guy um but like really endearing at the same time because of that and like i don't want anyone to hurt him and i would protect him at all costs um but yeah i don't know if if i think he's that good looking you know and when he had that comeback or hit back to him he has a comeback or hit back to him he snaps it with his glove like he's been playing shortstop his whole life and then he does that sort of like it's like kind of like almost like a little like latin salsa step like right before he throws it to first and it's like hot damn i love that yeah you could see him getting kind of spicy on the dance floor you know some tight pants a flowing kind of shirt it's kind of sexing it up a little bit i would like to see that but yeah i I, i'm not putting him i I gotta think about it a little bit and observe him a bit more but i'm for me he's not even close in the same ballpark as marcus simeon or even even george springer those those kind of guys for me are are really leading the pack in terms of sexiness and 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 good lookingness on the blue jays team i mean simeon's 1a 1b for me like with and like he can you know change out when a guy like burrios comes in and i fall quick and then i'll turn and i'll push him away and never talk to him again but um Outside of what's really important and how he looks, let's talk about the less important things. What did you, were you worried when you saw him last night and he couldn't step up to the plate in that big, highly touted game? Man, a game is a game. Yeah. To some extent. And pitchers have bad outings all the time. Uh, And for him, it's like, I don't know what they were saying. Some 23 starts. He's only had two starts this season where he didn't get past five outings. And like the resiliency that he had, like this team normally... That happens to a guy in the fourth inning or the third inning. He's letting up runs. He's walking guys. He's out of there. They let him keep coming back out, and he kept getting better and better, figuring things out a little bit more. He had a one, two, three inning. He had some strikeouts. Like He really, the Blue Jays, he kept them in the game despite struggling. And I, I thought it was a valiant effort for a guy that wasn't able to locate his pitches and wasn't getting any tight calls go his way for a while either like i don't know like it's it it is it is what it is as they say and he had he had he had one bad outing so far and i'm sure he's going to be great the next time but he can't he can't let it be in his mind on august 12th that uh it's it's this big game between the mvp candidates he's just trying to do his thing and it didn't work out for him yeah, I, I don't think Barrios gives a hot damn about, you know, the, the narrative about the MVP candidates. I mean, that's not even, it's not even his, he's not even a part of it. Um, I'm not trying to out you here in any way, but I just want to start a conversation about something. There's been a lot of talk about how this uh, season is like 2015. Like in 2015 at the trade deadline, the Blue Jays got all those guys, David Price, Troy Tulowitzki, Ben Revere, the bullpen guys, I can't remember their name. And then they went off and they won the division. They had the most exciting playoff game five ever, like the history of baseball and the city lit up. And am I wrong in saying that that was when your love of baseball was either rejuvenated or like sparked or like that's when you truly became like, a Jays fan, yeah. It's definitely when I started watching every day again, you know, like and not just like following kind of like I don't it's when I be, became so in-depthly obsessed that I was going to still watch every game in 2017, go to games by myself in 2017, 18 and suffer the misery that was uh, quite a quick turnaround actually in terms of baseball timelines but that's another conversation but yeah this that that did of course reinvigorate my love for baseball that had been dormant for many years since being much younger so does this feel similar to you like do you feel that same level of excitement is it more is it less is it different like do you do you think that that's a fair comparison for what's going on right now and just to put it in sort of uh somewhat of context uh the blue jays are now seven and a half out of the division that's likely not going to happen um in terms of the wild card they're two and a half games out of the wild card um thank god the yankees lost last night because they were not losing ever boston seems to be on a bit of a a slide here so 
there's a real shot at that second wild card, if not even the first wild card. But do you, is, where do you put that in terms of like your the possibility, the excitement? I don't think any of it matters until we get past the wild card. You know what I mean? Like for me, that season, like the majority of the bandwagon, like like your your brother's girlfriend or like your extended like you weren't getting a big crew of people who just bought a Blue Jays jersey this week, um, watching playoff baseball until you know i mean obviously there was some wild card stuff happening but like the whole city you know like i don't feel like that's going to happen again where it's going to be complete pandemonium for this team for new bandwagon fans for all these younger people that you know there's going to be people that were 12 13 years old and didn't have beer yet um for the last the last uh, bandwagon so i feel like the wild, doing one wild card game like we saw it last year and obviously we there was no fans and we weren't we were playing in fucking tropicana field in uh tipa but i don't i feel like we need a series more than just one wild card game that could go one way or the other before it really catches on the way it did in 2015 because that extended playoff run that's what you need right <laughs> The one thing that's sort of obvious about this is that in 2015, it was sort of like a last hurrah in a way, mm-hmm. or at least it felt like it was at the end of something because you had Bautista and Encarnacion that were, I don't know, in like near and mid thirties, if not in their mid thirties, you had Troy Tulowitzki, who was, you know, a damaged veteran at that point. He just like got injured so quickly. He's like little bird bones. You had Russell Martin, who was a veteran catcher. You said all these older guys. And then you got some, you know, these like rentals, like in David Price. But right now it just feels like the, the, like the, 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 like new growth of like a, a flower that you bought the seeds for, you bought the dirt for, you bought the pot for. And, and, and it's just sort of beginning. And you just kind of hope that we get more of it this year. You just sort of hope that it like it grows into the playoffs because it's a really fun team to watch. But if they don't make the playoffs, as disappointing as it will be, you know that next year you'll have that same excitement going into it and that same possibility and and maybe even more so because you've you've witnessed in front of you like what this team is capable of doing. And with just like a few tweaks or maybe some guys getting healthier, maybe some re-signing or some free agents or whatever that like th- there's some real longevity to the excitement. Oh, absolutely. The other thing though that I feel is different is I feel like this team is still too inconsistent for mm. me to be able to like message some people or try and get people to watch a game and like the the possibility I feel like is like 50-50 that they might be they might just have a stinker and not score any runs and be completely cold and they'll be like I thought this was exciting and you know I need a team that's like I feel like every night is going to be scoring a bunch of runs dominating like in the game every time that's going to be exciting and I feel like it's one game we're winning 12 to 3 and it's like boom this is this is what I'm talking about and then you know we get shut out for six innings and it's and it's and it's boring and we're, there's walks happening and it, the inconsistency is tough to i feel like get a real push on a bandwagon going right now in 2015 man they were just crushing teams after <sighs> after the trade deadline they were fucking destroying teams and they had so many you know for lack of a better term pricks on their team like Bautista, prick. Donaldson's a prick. Tulowitzki's a prick. Russell Martin's probably arguably a prick. Mm-hmm. Like they just had these alpha pricks that just would stare into the other dugout and intimidate people. And this team's just so different. This team's like playful. This team's like tying Vladdy up with duct tape and Vladdy's like tickling guys behind, behind the dugout. They have this fun little jacket. They love each other. Vladdy and Bo are like seen like hugging each other in the dugout. It's just a completely different quality. I don't know which yeah. one's more effective for winning, but they could not be more different. Yeah. You know, though, now is, is the time, right? Because there's nothing else competing with baseball at this point. The Olympics are over. Um, basketball, it's summer league. Uh, football hasn't started. There's no other primetime sport to watch right now, is there? No, I don't think so. I, I can't think of what it is. Not a major sport. And if we can't think of what it is, then likely a lot of people can't think of what it is. I mean, it might be somebody out there who's like, well, excuse me, it's actually, uh, I have no idea. Right. 
All I'm saying is that all those all those hockey dudes, all that stuff that they they just want something to watch and you know, they start watching a game and their girlfriend sees Marcus Simeon and says, Who's this cat? Um, you know, this is this is the prime time for it to start to get a bunch of people involved in this team and get the itch, get that bug, get the Blue Jays fever, right? Let's yeah. let's go. It's go time. Well, we got a nice little like run of games here coming up, man, because we're going uh, to Seattle, which in the past has been like a Blue Jays home game because of all the Canadians that come mm-hmm. down and dominate that stadium. Now, like we were talking about last time, I think that we don't know what the rules are with the border if Canadians can go down or whatever. But I'm also in general, even if it's just a sea of Mariners fans, I'm not that worried about the Mariners. And yeah, they're right behind us in the wild card. But I don't know. I, I think if you're going to have a special year, you're going to beat the Mariners. Yeah. Uh, then you go to play the Nationals that are just like a fucking decimated team. Yep. Not worried about the Nationals, even though it is in Washington. I don't care. And then Detroit. Man, have, we haven't it, even played Detroit yet this season, have we? I don't think so. I can't recall playing Detroit. Detroit Me neither. sucks. Um, so this is the time. This is the time right now to like get like a bunch, a bunch of wins get all set up for the end of August, getting into September. You know, maybe you get Julian Merriweather back. Maybe Nate Pearson starts to come into the bullpen. Boba Shett's out right now. He's got like multiple shin contusions from fouling yeah. balls off of his shin. He was suiting up though last night. I noticed that at the end of the game around like 1240 or something, he was like taping up his bat. He was he was putting on some glove. It was like I, thought, I was like, okay, I guess Bo's coming into pinch hit right now. What's happening? And then it didn't happen. So that was that was interesting. Obviously, I feel like they're they're trying to protect him a little bit. He, he probably could play. He probably wants to be playing. I would imagine so. playing shortstop would be pretty tough. They'd probably have to DH him. I don't know about that. I just would imagine if you've got these fucking welts on your shins, and every time you push off of your foot, it's like searing pain, like from your ankle up to your ass to your neck. That play in the field is going to be especially a, do- a position like shortstop it's gonna be pretty tough yeah but you know that that uh, they see this schedule up ahead of us and that they know that the time is now because of one major thing that is is in the dugout or was in the dugout this past series and that is dante bichette hitting whisperer he's back right yeah did you yeah, notice that you see him there I actually didn't. When you just said that, I was like, oh, fuck. I didn't notice that at all. I don't know. Sometimes Dante Bichette's just like in the shadows, sort of like Batman. And you don't really know he's there, but he's just like whispering things to people. Yep. And then they hear it and then booyah. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest hitting whisperer candidate uh, uh, dude this year is obviously Santiago Espinal because we know that Santiago lived with the Bichettes. And I don't know how you can put his success up to anything else other than when you live with Bo and your dad becomes Dante, you become awesome at hitting, which he has. Um, but I, I just feel like I need more. I feel like I need to know what is happening with Dante all the time. I'd like like someone on the beat to be covering that, telling me what's happened. I didn't, I, for some reason, I thought like he wasn't on the team anymore. Like they, I didn't know what happened, if he got released or if it was too much with Bo, if well, he said, Get, I can handle it. What? No, please. They, well, they said in 2020 that if he was going to be on the team, that he had to be locked in with the team. He wasn't allowed to leave because of like quarantine and stuff like that and right. COVID. That it, so he had to commit to the full season. And the reason he did that was for Bo, but also because it was a shorter season and it was an e- easier commitment. But now he's allowed to come and go. So he's not there all the time. So like when you see him, I don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe it's like certain series he comes for. Maybe it's like certain chunks of time, but he's allowed to come and go. And so that's what he does. How much do we got to pay him to get him there every single night? Dante doesn't need your fucking money, baby. He doesn't need your money. He's probably got like 80 mil in his fucking back pocket. Uh-huh. One, one other thing, too, while we're on this subject of uh, Bo Bichette, shortstop, hitting whispers, etc. Did you hear about uh, Fernando Tatis coming back and moving to center field? I heard the suggestion of it, but I didn't hear that it had been made official or something like that, which sounds so crazy to me. Mid-season, he's going to apparently he's he's training in center field. He's never played there professionally before. But you know what it made me think of first right off the top is 
Bo Bichette going to be the new face of shortstops? Is Bo Bichette going to be the best young shortstop in the league if Fernando is playing center field? I thought you were going somewhere else with this. I thought you were going to say, is Bo going to be our center fielder of the future? Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess that, hmm. I guess, you know, if Bo stays at shortstop, which it does seem more and more likely that he will, I guess he would be the face of shortstops in, in, in the MLB, especially if he keeps hitting like he's hitting. Like, I can't, like, you know, Trey Turner, sure. He's a little bit older, though. And yeah, you, but you know, that's Bo's- the past generation. They had their time. Him, Bogart's like, I feel like they're like, what, four years older, five he years older? He certainly becomes the shortstop you'd want the most if you were a franchise. Right, I mean Tim Anderson's another guy. There, there are but even some... Tim Anderson's like twenty-seven or twenty-six. Right, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's interesting, and I wonder, Just... I wonder. I don't understand how playing center field is is that much better for your shoulder than uh, shortstop. But uh, that's that's just me. I know you're going to make a, a a few less dives. But I feel like the dives you do make in, in center field are the type that really level you and uh, you're it sprawling, is, flying to catch it. Is it his throwing shoulder? I don't know. No it, might, it might even just be like the frequency of throws because you're going to make more throws at shortstop than you would at center field. But still in center field, you're still airing it out from the warning yeah. track. I don't really, I don't know. I mean, they would know more about it than we would. I don't think they've listened to this podcast. And was, oh my God, guys, gather around. I never even thought about this. Oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, I have to do something here, Jacob, that I haven't really done yet. I feel like I've, I've hinted towards it at times, but I'm fully, I'm fully ready to say this i was wrong about george springer i've been waiting. i i've been waiting I, I didn't want to say anything like i'm almost like welling up right now i uh i was hard on him when he got here because of the cheating and i called him cheetos i did i called him cheetos and i thought we should call him cheetos um what he's done in this past three weeks because I, I also just was like, I, want, I wanted to see that he was special. Do you know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't enough for him to be good. I wanted to see him be special. And very, very few players are special. They do special things and special moments. And the moment of the season so far is George Springer's three-run home run. Um, to to who, who the fuck were they playing when he hit that three-run home run? Was Austin. That- Austin, yeah. And they would have split that series had they not uh, won that game. And it would have just had a terrible feel to it, you know, because they just, I feel like they're better than Boston and they just haven't been able to prove that. And they go down big. And this was on Sunday, I think. I think they were down like 7 2 at one point, maybe like 8 8 4. And he comes up in a big moment after he's been a double American League player of the week and just crushes a three run bomb. And it's just, be still my cold, dead heart. He is a special, special player. I couldn't be happier that he's on our team. He's finally a Blue Jay in my heart. And I will, I forgive anything he's ever done because he doesn't need anybody banging trash can. He doesn't need anything buzzing in his arm to let him know what's coming. He is a spectacular baseball player. Absolutely. I was thinking about it too. And I never even considered back when the Astros were the Astros and the, not even talking about the cheating Astros, but like when you think of the Astros and you think of Altuve, you think of Bregman, Springer, like I never knew, like, was he the best player then? Like, was he the best Astro or was it, I for some reason, it was always hard to, to distinguish between him, Bregman and Altuve. Like who, who was the man there? Bregman was, uh, Bregman and Altuve were uh, definitely higher up in MVP voting than Springer. Like Bregman was like a minus two MVP, I believe in, uh, in their little run, their, their hotter run that they've had. And his war is higher, I think. But uh, Springer just felt like the sort of like the machine, like the, the sort of like the thing that makes everything work. 
Right, right, right. And when he gets hot, it's like nothing else. I mean, I, I was trying to think the other day, what, what I've never seen somebody get hot like this. And the only person I could even think of was like uh, a 2015 Edwin Encarnacion who would just go on these like, crazy streaks of just mm-hmm. hitting bombs. But even with Springer, it's different because you got speed as a factor. You've got just this, this uh, like Springer is fiery and excitable and joyful. And, you know, Edwin was just, you know, still faced and just like a leader and you know he did the parrot thing which was yeah whatever but yeah it's it's gonna be crazy too like if we can get if we can line up vlad and george at the same time because you know we we were talking uh like three episodes ago when when george came back and i was talking about seeing his face as vlad he was teeing off and he was on deck to to come in and clean up still and and seeing everybody just launching away while he's still struggling to find it. And now the tables have turned and, and Flatty's coming up struggling while George is just having, yeah, like you said, back-to-back AL, uh, AL Player of the Weeks and not having any trouble with anybody. Teoscar, too. Teoscar, like we never talk about Teoscar. He's so good. But that's another story. If we could just line up the offense so that people are hot at the same time and obviously this is what is so good about the team is that we have so many dudes that people can get hot at different times and we can still uh play a good baseball and win at a 600 pace or whatever but you know what i'm saying uh you asked me last episode some little brave Vic Valera, and i had nothing to say because i didn't really i hadn't been able to watch too many games and i hadn't really seen him but just to give a small shout out to a moment that it was one of the coolest things that i'd seen I don't remember how many games ago it was, but um, he was hitting against a guy who was throwing uh, like uh, like a two seam that like sort of runs, and they show him in the box as the pitcher's winding up, and he shuffles his feet up the oh, box yes. to get to get his uh, to get his bat out in front of, of the pitch before it breaks. So he sets up normally in the box as the pitcher's there, and as the pitcher's winding up, he does this little slide step. And I've not seen something like that. I feel like as a kid, I would notice that yeah. like hitters so were doing 90s. that, but they haven't been doing shit like that for 20 years. And it was so cool. And he got a base hit too. Like he just poked it through the left side and buck caught it on the, on the broadcast. And I, I was just like, oh man, he's, he's like one of like just, and I'm you know reading massively into just one minute moment, but he's like one of those guys that comes through for you in a big moment in a playoff game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because no eyes are on him. That's so great that you remember that. I th- that really stood out to me too. What a cool moment that was. And yeah, you could, you could just tell. Like I feel like that's the kind of shit Barker is always talking about or Buck, like the old days when people would adjust, adjust mid at bat from pitch to pitch. Like I got to do something, and always just uh, like moaning about how guys just have their set up they have their swing and they stick to it no matter what the pitcher is doing and here we saw a guy fully adjust change what he had to do in order to get a hit and then he did and it was awesome yeah it feels like just a sacrifice you know what i mean i'm going to sacrifice any um ability i have to be like the man and like smoke a home run or a double or something like that he goes i'm just trying to get on base i'm just trying to move the line i got something i didn't even tell you about um that might I don't know how you're going to react to this, but uh, it freaked me out. It changed my view of the world to some extent. Um, While we're on the topic of Buck Martinez, we had a listener, a fan of the show, send in in our DMs on Twitter, which are open, by the way, any point you want to chat with us. They sent in... I, I I I hesitate even talking about this. I I don't know if it's true or not. Basically, he this listener of ours heard on another podcast, which I won't say, that uh, they had heard that Buck Martinez is an anti-vaxer. He doesn't want to get the vaccine. Um, and he sent me a link. Um to an article saying that they had heard and the reason why that Buck isn't in Toronto to call these games is because he's staying in his home and he is not planning to get vaccinated so he can't come across the border or whatever. Um, so it uh, this, this guy in the article, he said, 
asked if it was mere speculation. He said it was not speculation, but fact. He said, quote, I've been told by someone who has knowledge of the situation that the reason Buck is not here is that he is not vaccinated and is not planning on getting vaccinated. Uh, so, you know, this is, again, I don't trust this. It's not real. Uh, uh, some article of people that I know and they're not naming anyone uh, with their sources. So it could it could all be bogus. But at the same time, it could be true, and I'm wondering what you uh, what you make of that, David. That's tough because I think Buck is uh, is he 111? Yeah, is that how old he is? Just turned 111. And yeah. so, if somebody who's yeah, so somebody's 111 years old, and it's they gonna don't die. want a vaccine. It's gonna die. But yet they acknowledge that the virus is scary and like by not, you know, wanting to move, not wanting to travel or come into, uh, or they won't and the let fact him. that too, that he, he also like lives in Florida too. So, oh, they won't let him. Yeah. I guess that's maybe, <laughs> I mean, look, it's, 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 I think you're aware that I think that, you know, there's so many things you do in life that you don't believe in. Like, my God, if I only did things in life that I believed in, holy shit, I'd be dead. I'd be dead a long time ago because I wouldn't have been able to make anything work or eat. Um, and this is just one of those things that you don't have to believe in. Just do it, though. Just fucking do it because mm -hmm. we're all doing it. And, you know, and if we all die, then we die together. You guys don't just get to live in the land with all the people who took the vaccine who died and then like step over our bodies and take shits in our mouths saying, ha ha, I didn't take the vaccine. Look at me living my life. Um, it just feels like we all do it or we don't. You know what I mean? That feels like the only way that it works. And so, no, I don't like that, but I don't know if it's true. And I don't know what his actual point of view is. Like maybe he, I would imagine because he's 111, that he's probably got some health concerns to some degree that maybe he's more worried about the vaccine doing damage to some things that he has. I have no idea. But if it's just like a straight up vaccines are stupid, I'm not taking it, then, uh, you know, I have a problem with that. It's so painful hearing anybody have any sort of like, thoughts or like hesitancy like talking about experiments like they're, they're doing experiments so they haven't seen the data yet well I'm, we've all seen a fuckload of data and it's that fucking millions of people around the globe are dying of covid of dying of covid19 and like i don't know let's say in comparison a hundred people are dying of complications from the vaccine because they were going to die already due to some other shit right like i just can't i want to punch people i want to punch people in the fucking mouth who won't just do it you know like just oh, rip out your throat and smash you curb stomp you into a into oblivion just get the fucking vaccine you idiot you idiot how oh if you're if you're if you're listening right now and you're like oh man like i am a anti-vaxxer like fuck you just stop listening i don't care about you you're stupid go get your vaccine or or or, or die. Well, Jacob, if we lose somebody from that rant, uh, we gained somebody yesterday. We have a new underdog fan. So I work with a really lovely person named Grace. And she reached out to me and she was like, I want to know about your podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm, this is going to be one of those hellish things where she's not a baseball fan or not a huge baseball fan or not really a baseball fan. I think it's fine for me to say she's not a baseball fan. Um, and so then, you know, you share this like niche little Blue Jays podcast with someone and they're just like, oh, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, and you just feel like you want to unzip your skin and walk your skeleton into a dumpster. Uh, but so I sent her the podcast and then, you know, not thinking that it would matter to much. And then she listened to an episode and then she on her own just started listening to multiple episodes. She listened to a game diary and she had so much uh, positive feedback on it. And she started like asking her dad questions about baseball and like she's becoming like a baseball fan. And I started to think to myself, like, that's really like 
what underdogs is about is like getting people who are like maybe fringe fans and getting them to see that baseball can be fun and that you can just talk about silly shit. It doesn't have to be all about stats. And so that was one of the more meaningful, uh, fan ads that I have experienced since doing this. And it felt really, really nice. So thank you, Grace. You are a part of the underdogs family now. Yeah, that's awesome. Welcome, Grace, and, and, and all the other new listeners that we have every week. Um, so cool to see you from around the globe, seeing you in fucking Taiwan, Australia, all y'all. We see, we see the stats. We see you around the globe, all these different countries. Uh, it's always curious to me how, how you're coming across us or why you care about the Blue Jays, but or, or maybe, maybe just like us. And you know what? We like you, too. So, you know, let Maybe us know. Sometimes, sometimes I listen to sometimes I listen to things because the people make me mad when I listen to them, and I think that sometimes, like, maybe people listen to this because they just hate the sound of my voice. It's just like it's just something about it. it's just like bothers them so much, and that every mm-hmm. time when I say something like sort of certainly or arrogantly, that they're just like, oh fuck. Leave us a review if you listen to us out of hate. <laughs> um, if you hate David's voice, please put that in the in the review no don't actually that uh, and, and 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 if you do hate my voice compare my voice to an animal that you think it would be like like is it a duck's voice is it a croc's voice is it a you know uh, an eagle's voice I, yeah i think i just found it it's an eagle's voice mm-hmm. classic eagle voice um yeah i got i got nothing else all right everybody playoff pushes on here we go into seattle We'll be back when we're back.